Podcast. Your blind spot is your breakthrough. And I really do believe that. I believe that if you want to continue to enhance your leadership over time, just developing this curiosity and realizing that there's breakthroughs that are available to you if you get a little bit more curious about your impacts. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a cold day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Leader Connect, Ignite Management Services, and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling leadership books, is now available on my website, johnsrennie.com. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. This is the perfect way to get 2024 off to a powerful start, so check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership blind spots, and my guest is Marissa Murray. Marissa helps us understand that every leader has blind spots, which can cause them to make poor decisions and overlook potential problems. If we want to be more effective leaders, we need to figure out where those blind spots are. Marissa helps us understand how to find them in this powerful episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marissa Murray. Marissa is a leadership development expert and the CEO of Leaderly International, an organization dedicated to helping executives become better leaders in today's rapidly changing, highly complex world. Marissa leverages over two decades of executive experience as a former partner with Accenture and a vice president of Bell Canada in providing executive coaching and leadership development services for organizations, including Moore's. Uh, Sir Molson Coors, Pratt & Whitney, and Queen's University. She is the author of three Amazon best-selling leadership books, Work Smart, Iterate, and her latest book, Blind Spots, How Great Leaders Uncover Problems and Unlock Performance. And I'm excited to have her on the show to understand more about the idea of blind spots. So Marissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. It is an honor to meet you, and congratulations on your third book. Uh, that is exciting. So that's what I want to start off. So Blind Spots is your third book. Um, What compels you to write leadership development books? Yeah, well, I'd love that you have three books too. So we have that in common. Um, and And I think after every book, I told my husband I was never going to do it again. (laughs) I don't know if you had the same experience. (laughs) Yes. So the word compelled is really a great word because I do feel compelled. Uh, I did feel compelled at least three times. Uh, to write books. And really what compels me to write books is uh, to the learning that I'm doing. So I'm maybe um, a late arrival to executive coaching and leadership development. The majority of my career was in leadership positions and in corporate roles. And so when I 
changed to sort of being on this side of, and I enjoyed so many amazing leadership development programs and executive coaches that I worked with. So when I kind of switched to this side of the equation, uh, I was surprised by all that I didn't know. And uh, both from the training, the formal training that I was uh, subscribing to in terms of my executive coaching training, but also just the incredible learning uh, that goes on when you're working with multiple amazing leaders simultaneously and the patterns that you recognize around what are the things that really make the biggest transformations for people? What are the things that people really need to get right? So my first book, Work Smart, I wrote probably about three years into Leaderly. And uh, it's all about sort of the top things that I felt were making the biggest difference for my clients. So WorkSmart is an acronym and each of them um, sort of stand for something like W is for wellness and, and O is for opportunity orientation, R is for relationship driven. So some of, you know, a lot of the core components, the nine core components that I was seeing most often were making the difference for clients. So that's the first book. And then three years later, magically, I was like, oh my goodness, uh, I, I feel compelled to organize my thinking around these other things I was learning. And that and that was all, and Iterate is all about this idea that it's actually the idea that's in my TED Talk as well. So I had like a 14-minute version of it, but that wasn't, didn't seem sufficient so that I had to finish my thinking in, in the form of a book. But that's about the idea of how just in this rapidly changing environment, leaders just have to iterate so much more. They can't be... Uh, as proactive and sort of planned full, if that's a word, uh, as we used to be. And uh, unfortunately for a lot of people, the opposite of being proactive is reactive. Right. And, uh, and so people just sort of, that's the, that they kind of had these two modalities. And so I kind of invented this word it's called interactive, which is basically sort of that, that beautiful uh, way of being where you are you know, you have an aspiration that you're moving towards, but you're 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 cognizant of the fact that there's constantly new information and new priorities. And so you're iterating towards that aspiration, but you're not trying to like lock yourself into a plan and you're not kind of throwing the plan out the window and just being reactive to what's urgent. So that was iterate. And then three years later again, <laughs> if you notice a trend, um, I I really felt compelled to write blind spots and and this was another sort of layer of you know once leaders you know really get a lot of these fundamentals down and and also leaders that get really good at navigating change what is the next breakthrough and what I discovered is that the next breakthrough is this constant sort of screening uh, because leadership just sort of, it's like peeling an onion. It just keeps demanding more of us, right, as we scale. And uh, so I started to identify kind of seven key blind spot areas that that plague people. And again, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a former engineer, so I'm a bit of a pattern <laughs> recognizer and I like to have a formula for things. So uh, that's why I write books. And that's a little summary of uh, of what compelled me to. And at this point, I have no desire to write another book because I guess I need three more years to learn. <laughs> uh, that seems interesting. You, you said that. Uh, there's a couple of things that really resonated with me. One was you went down the journey of leadership development. You went through the journey of getting trained to be a coach and, and what have you. And you were like, oh my goodness, there's all this information out there. And I, I was going to say, I, I feel the same way. You know, I'm working on my doctorate right now in strategic leadership. 
And what I realized, I've done 30 years of practical experience. Well, I dove into the the academic world and went, holy cow, there's a there's an ocean of information out here that I never had access to as a practitioner. None of it made it to mainstream, you know, uh, leadership, you know, practitioners. Like, you know, there was a lot of books that became popular, but some of the research, the deep stuff the, over on this side was like amazing to me. And so you then said something like, I need three more years to learn to write the next book. And I feel that way right now. I'm not going to write a book because I'm trying to absorb all this academic research that I've been, you know, studying for the past, uh, you know, two years. So it's kind of interesting. I think that, uh, and, and partly too, I think, gee, you know, my first books, were they really academically strong? And I'm thinking they probably weren't, but what I hope that someday that I'll be writing more more books that'll be more balanced between the academic side and the and the practical side. But but I think you're right. As we mature, as we grow, as we learn, uh, we we expand our knowledge. And it seems like leadership, like you said, you keep peeling back. You can keep peeling, and you'll never get to the core. There's so much information out there, and it's 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 in a remarkable topic. So it's uh, it's interesting that you. Um, have had this journey like that because it seems a lot, it's very similar to my journey as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And hopefully our books just get better and better. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, and I do, I hope they get better as, as we spend, as we become better at writing and better at, you know, expanding our knowledge of, of, of the leadership space for mm-hmm. sure. So let's talk about blind spots. So how would you define a blind spot? Yeah, absolutely. So I define blind spots as the gap between our intention and our impact. Okay. So uh, a lot of people, you know, the the classic definition of blind spot is probably, you know, what you don't know, you don't know, Uh, (laughs) which is is a good one too. Um, But specifically when I think about leadership, uh, you know, leaders are very intentional for the most part, especially very senior leaders, very intentional about their vision, what they want to achieve, the business outcomes they want to achieve, um, and also the kind of teams they want to have, the kind of culture. So really great leaders sort of are very intentional about all these things. And then they have an impact on their people, on the market, on their customers, on their... Um, and the, there is often a gap between our that intention and that impact. And the reason why I think that that's where our blind spots live is because, you know, our intention is invisible to others and our impact is invisible to us. So it's like, it's that that space where uh, unless we dialogue about it, ask about it, investigate it, keep looking for it, uh, we won't narrow the gap between our intention and our impact. So it makes a lot of sense. So an intention impact. So maybe you say, my intention is to create a company where people. This is this is actually my intention to, to yeah. create a people to create a company where people love to come to work and they they're challenged every day and they they love to be part of our team. So that would be my intention. Mm-hmm. What truly is, is 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 my impact would be what my my employees are actually experiencing at the moment, right? Absolutely. And so. And so, yeah, it's interesting. And I think, I think we as leaders, I mean, you have to have a certain sense of um, uh, self-confidence to do what we do. So we sort of say, yes, uh, because I, I'm intended to do it, I will do it. Yeah. 
but sometimes we don't. And that's where the blind spot comes in. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I think sometimes we don't. Our intention isn't obvious. So in your example, where you're trying to create this beautiful environment, you're going to have you know, norms and, and, and behaviors and things that you think are useful to creating that environment. And those norms are going to have an impact on other people. And sometimes that impact will be positive and as you intended it. And sometimes it might, you know, be difficult in terms of, uh, it may create inclusion versus exclusion. It might create, it might create, um, you know, norms that, are not that are not appreciated by others, right? And so, as a leader, it's not like it's not meant to be paralyzing, but it's interesting to sort of get curious about like all the different versions of the impact, like all those different lenses. And oftentimes, there's a breakthrough. There's there's a refinement that can happen as you sort of understand the impacts that can actually make your intention even more visible and even more impactful to to a greater number of people. Okay, interesting. I wonder if the reverse is true, and this might be a silly question, but where we you realize an impact that you're making that you sort of that was not intentional, that is actually good, and you say, "Well, that's actually a good intention. I should embrace." Which is sort of like I, f- I don't know if it's a blind spot, but you sort of like I like maybe it's the opposite of a blind spot. Like you, you notice something like, "Wow," like like for example, my employees, I hear it a lot. They say this feels more like a family than it does a company. It's like, well, I didn't set out to do that, but that's actually a good thing. So maybe that should be something I think about, you know, as far as my intentions. Absolutely. I mean, I do what in my executive coaching programs, you know, when I do 360s and capture impact statements, which, you know, um, are basically sort of feedback, but we can share, I can share the nuances between them. But when I collect those things, I often spend quite a bit of time figuring out what are those positive impacts okay. because that's ultimately what those strengths are. Now, I don't call them blind spots, maybe just because their blind spots sound more dangerous, right? But they right. are, but it is very, very important as a leader and to get that balanced feedback because those are the things that people want you to, to continue to do more of. And they're right. also things that they want to protect, right? That you want to protect and you want to, you don't want to kind of swing so far another way. There's a lot of companies that kind of go through these swings where they overcorrect over and over culturally, right? They overcorrect, um, you know, I'm going to use the word accountability that almost becomes threatening, right? And then mm, they go, oh, right. no, 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 let's be, you know, collective and and fail fast and and be, you know, forgiving. And then they go, oh, no, 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 we have to, you know, and they kind of overcorrect. And so yes. I think it is important to understand because the strengths are going to be sort of those balancing things that you keep the core really right. And then the blind spot areas will be sort of, I think, tweaks um, that you want to just improve to maximize the impact. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. When when you're talking about the idea of a blind spot, in my mind, I'm thinking you have to have a bit of humility to be able to admit that you have a blind spot. And so the question is, how, how do leaders know if they have one? How can they be aware of it? I mean, uh, and, and are there certain types of people that maybe need to have uh, some sort of explicit uh, something explained to them, like you have this blind spot, or or uh, is it natural to be able to find these things? Yeah, well, I think that it does take it does take a lot of openness and humility to uh, to recognize that you you of course you have blind spots because. 
everyone does, right? We all have, we all have, uh, we all have things that we can't see. And, and, you know, I like my, my, I have a 16 year old son. My youngest son is 16. He's learning how to drive and we're reminding him to check his blind spot, check your blind spot. Oh, yes. And, and that whole idea of um, changing lanes, checking your blind spots, scanning your blind spots. You know, it's its something that we kind of have to program into ourselves when we're driving, but it's a kind of a good analogy for leaders. A lot of times blind spots show up during these changes. So there might be a change in the market dynamic. There might be a change in your role. You might get on a different position. So there's, there's a lot of things that kind of, you should assume that you're going to have blind spots if you're changing quote unquote lanes. Uh, because you're you're coming with a whole bunch of ways of being that may or may not make sense, um, you know, in the new environment. And there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of openness and curiosity required, I think, to to figure out what are the things that are going to continue to be relevant and which are the shifts that are going to be required of your leader. I I remember one of my first executive coaches said something to me that stuck sticks to me to this day, and she said. Uh, Stop being the leader you think you need to be and be the leader that the team needs. Mm, yes, yes. And so that whole idea of, wait a second, like, it's not my leadership style, like, necessarily. It's the leadership right. style that the team needs. And that that call to adaptability and flexibility and openness. And I think that is sort of the advanced leadership call. That's kind of the next layers of the onions. And I think part of that is being humble enough to really realize that of course you're going to have blind spots we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors as a leader you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you regardless of the size of your team employees are depending on you for their lives and careers for the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role you need to master the skills to become a great leader Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Leader Connect, a leadership training company and video platform founded by the leadership book author and deep leadership podcast guest, Neil Jurd. Leader Connect is a video and podcast streaming platform for leaders and teams. Watch it alone or as a team, and each video supports you and your team, allowing you to improve performance and build a great culture. Join hundreds of experts and learn about leadership, planning, public speaking, team building, mindfulness, and a range of other subjects that will help you lead well and build a great team. I'm proud to say that I'm one of the experts on this platform. Leader Connect is offering a 10% discount to all deep leadership listeners. Go to leader-connect.co.uk and enter the code DEEP at checkout. 
Master Your Leadership with Leader Connect. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. Yeah, I love that. The the analogy of you're shifting lanes, you check your blind spot. You know, when the submarine force, we had a thing called baffles. So we we listened, we use uh, inactive sonar, we listened for enemies, right? But our but our our propulsion plant was behind us and so there was a blind spot for us all the time was behind the submarine. So we would always make maneuvers to check the baffles. So we would, what we call clear our baffles on a regular basis to make sure there wasn't somebody hiding back there. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's the analogy that I like to me is like, okay, so the idea of clearing my, my, my baffles, what's, what's hidden back there that I'm not, that I don't know is back there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so a lot of, you know, you can think about this idea of when you were maneuvering to kind of make sure you could get access to that information, leaders just you know, can talk about, well, you know, what, what was the impact of that meeting? I, you know, I was experimenting with a different agenda. What, what was the impact? Or I was experimenting with this. What was the impact? Or my style's typically like this. What, what was that? How did that land with you? You know, it's just that kind of curiosity and an openness to continuously getting feedback. And, and, and sometimes it's interesting if, if you can just also, um, you know, Ask the people, like, what do you think my intention is with this policy? Like, ask that question, you know? And yeah. and funny, you sometimes you'll get things that, that you know, some people will be transparent enough to say, you know, well, I think you're trying to, you know, control us. Like, if you just think about even just this return to work, right? These return to work policies. Right, right. right? There's the leader's, you know, presumed intention that's positive about teamwork and, and all this kinds of stuff. But there's all kinds of impact statements around out there, blind spots around how that's being perceived. And if there's more dialogue about that, I think you can shape things that are going to be, um, you know, more mutually beneficial or more, uh, more, more adoptable where you have more buy-in. Yeah. I, I definitely see that with a return to work because I, because I, you know, being an older manager, I have to admit I'm 56. So I like the idea of everybody being together, right? But I also see what what we've been able to do for people allowing remote work and people have enjoyed a better work-life balance. They've been able to, you know, spend time with children. They've been able to spend time with family. And it's like, now we want you to come back to work. And I'm all, you know, so I'm on both sides of the fence. So, but you're right. So your intention might be, let's all get back together again. And people are like, you're taking away something that I've never had in my life and I really enjoyed it. And so, you know, so I think that's, you're right. It's, it's a hard thing to do when you are trying, your intention is good, 
but what's the impact on the people, you know, that, that, that are getting this news? Like, I don't want to go back to work. I really like this remote work, you know? So, but you asked a great question around like, how do you know if you have them? So I guess my answer to that is you, you, um, you probably do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think I could give you a few examples because, and then that's where I was, that's where I was kind of in the book, I was trying to define like, what are the types of scenarios? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it, the, the first one is, um, is very simple and, and, and kind of inclusive that I talk about in the book, which is called false assumptions. And that's kind of what we were talking about. You have assumptions around how something's going to impact people. You have assumptions around them seeing your intention. Um, and you have assumptions around, um, you know, how things are going to land and and those just, you know, are false. And yet you know, there's some opacity between, you know, the the perceived impact of that and what you're seeing, like you're kind of blind to it. You're just like, you're not realizing the impact. So, so that's kind of a broad, broad topic, but there's some more specific things like, like differing views of success. Mm. So, so that's a blind spot that I see, you know, with leaders, especially if they're transitioning to different roles, or maybe they've been headhunted into a company and, and they have ideas around what success looks like. And they have ideas like uh, based on their previous experiences, but also based on their interests, but also based on what they've been told or whether they've been told they're supposed to be a change agent and all these kinds of differing, you know, ideas of success. And then they inherit an organization or a group of people that have a very different view of success. And they're just not attuning, like they're just not attuning to figuring out like, what are these people aiming for? Like they get frustrated sometimes because the organization is kind of moving in a certain direction. They're trying to communicate their expectations and nobody's like following, like nobody's really following. And, and, and so then they can, you know, they have one of two conclusions, like either like no one's listening or these people don't get it. But oftentimes what it is, is like, is like you have a different view of success and, and, you know, and uh, there's examples in the book, like, um, like, uh, um, well, okay, I'll, I'll just give you a game. So look, Luca, the, the loyalist. Okay. So Luca, this is an example where, uh, you know, he, uh, was just incredible leader that attracted so much loyalty, right. And had a lot of tenure in his teams and kind of built up this beautiful team. And so he's very protective of his team and, and all this kind of stuff. And then he got, a role, he was promoted to a role where there was a lot more cross-functional requirements and he couldn't help himself, but be super biased. Mm, Right. So his view of success was like, yeah, I'm going to do this new role, but I'm going to really take care of like, I'm going to really take care of his team. And there was a huge disconnect with his leadership expectations and his peers that he was supposed to be kind of representing in these things. So he was just sort of in this, in this course of not being effective, not because he wasn't a great leader, but because his view of success in his own mind was, you know, very different from, from his, the expectations of that particular role. So that's, that's an example of where, you know, even the individual, um, even though it might, it should be obvious, what the view of that role was, it's just not because the brain's not like that. It's sort of on a pattern and it's following that pattern. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I was just thinking of one job I was hired to, I was brought in, I was recruited into this company to run two factories and they wanted to put in all this lean manufacturing and 
and continuous improvement and Six Sigma. And I'm, I have all those skills. And when I showed up, like they, they had no base, nothing like just, so the, the upper management wanted like this modern, uh, yeah. you know, lean manufacturing and, and what they have is they had two plants that have been neglected for 40 years and that barely had any, any good equipment and no training. And it was like, and, and the, and the employees, they, they just wanted the place to be running better than it was. They, they were not ready for advanced lean right. manufacturing. They weren't ready for what they hired me for. So it was a really hard thing to say, I, I, what does success look like in this role? Because I had expectations from upper management, which were far beyond what they, the, these, this team was ready to do. So I had to do some really basic work to, to just get basic things running in the factories, let alone go to this advanced idea of lean manufacturing. They were not ready for it, but they right. hired me to do it. And it's like, there, right. there's a there's a different view of success here, you know? Well, that's great, though, that you attuned to that, at least in terms of sort of what, what you were facing. But you can see that your leaders had a blind spot around... Yeah, they did, how yeah. quickly of an impact you might have or or sort of the reality of where the organization was at that point. And, and, and it leads me to think about one of the other blind spots is called unhealthy detachment. And that's, uh, that, that's yes. a little bit what upper leadership does sometimes, too. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, we, you know, upper leadership, including all of us at times, but that's that idea where there's, you know, there is something kind of really important that's, you know, a, a reality or, or just sort of a dynamic that's really important that they're just discounting. They're just, they're just have an unhealthy detachment for like, there's, you know, there's such a thing as healthy detachment. I mean, maybe right, you are right. trying to create a shift and yeah. you can't get too, you know, you can't get too bogged down by what is you're trying to move the organization forward. But if you are really ignoring things, you know, in a, in sort of an unhealthy detached way around like, you know, figure it out kind of energy. Um, and that ultimately leads to, you know, an impact that is not, uh, conducive of your best leadership. Oh yeah. I just see that as a big blind spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great. What, so what are some of the other ones? Um, uh, sorry, uh, outdated core beliefs. So that's kind of mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, um, let me think of a good example. Of, it's uh, me. I'm 56 <laughs> as a manager. And, and sometimes I feel that way. I get I get mad at myself because the things that I used to do that were so effective 30 years ago are not effective now. And I'm like, it's because I'm outdated. And it yeah, yeah. Me. well, sometimes, but I mean, a lot of times outdated core beliefs are, 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 can also be quite perfect. Like Xavier's an example. He, Xavier, the extra miler is an example in the book. And, and he's an, you know, incredible leader that sort of grew up throughout his career. And when I say grew up, I mean, in his career, um, just always going, not just a mile more, but like 500 miles more, like over deliver, over deliver, yeah. over deliver, and got himself sort of, you know, advancing leadership positions because of that energy on over delivering. And, uh, and his organization, he was in, you know, wanted to continue to promote him, but they were, he was like totally overextended yeah. and was always like serving, like taking care of himself last. And, letting his team, you know, so he was just the extra miler in every direction, client facing team, all this kind of things. And to the point where people were really, really worried about his health. So he had an outdated core belief that he had to, number one, always go 500 miles more. And then his leadership was kind of trying to say like, 
two miles more is good, you know, like you don't have to over deliver, but also not only that, that he had to do all of this himself. And so that's an outdated core belief where it's just, you're running this pattern and yet you're being asked from the world to scale your leadership. And unless you change that core belief, you know, you're just, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to end up burning yourself out and you're going to end up really disappointing a lot of people who really want you to continue to do the great work that you're doing. I see that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the um, these impact statements. That's something I really haven't heard of before. Um, so tell us what an impact statement is and how can they help us? Yeah, well, I guess it's it's sort of just a little twist on feedback for two reasons. So feedback, okay. people have a lot of bit of, people have a bit of past pain from feedback. Um, and so, and, and feedback can be very subjective. And feedback can be filled with all kinds of things like advice and how I did it and how I think you should do it and who I think you should be. And so feedback can get, you know, when we just do uh, either 360 feedback or we do, you know, we capture feedback or we get employee survey feedback, you know, there's just a lot in it to unpack. And so what I try to do, and so it becomes very, feels personal, but it feels difficult to action sometimes and all those kind of things. So impact statements are my attempt to sort of do two things. Number one is get the leader to realize that like there's safety in reading this because it's it's someone else's impact statement. Like I'm not, you know, it doesn't need to be true. This is this is where I I I, I sort of try to help my clients see because what happens sometimes is when they'll get feedback, they'll be like, well, that's not even what happened, and they don't understand this. And they don't understand this right. So there's this idea that somehow they have to see things the same way for Mm -hmm. feedback to be actionable. They have to understand it to the degree of agreeing with all the parameters. And there's a a desire to almost fix people's impressions and perceptions, right? And so the impact statements are kind of like, look, no one is saying, like, they're just saying, this is how I saw it, right? This is how it impacted me. So it, it helps the leaders sort of not have to figure out all of the you know, agree with all of the substance within the report and and be able to see it as just like, this is somebody else's impact. And it helps me differentiate a little bit as I'm collecting feedback between what's opinion and what's that and what's what's actually what's actually happened. So I asked kind of diff, slightly different questions. Like instead of just asking, you know, um, you know, what do you believe that is a development area for this leader or uh, all those kinds of things? I'll ask things like, you know, can you give me an example of a situation where they had a difficult impact on you or of a scenario where they had a difficult impact on you and why? And and so it's just a little bit more um, observatory and and a little bit less uh, um, advice oriented or... <laughs> I, I love it because I think you're almost taking the defensive because that's the problem with feedback is we're all like it. I mean, maybe, maybe we're not all not, maybe it's just me, but um, like we get defensive easy, right? Oh, you know, wait, this person doesn't know, or they're just new to the team or, well, yeah, I did lose my cool there, but I don't normally lose my cool. You know what I mean? So we, yeah. we, we get really defensive when we hear feedback, but I like the idea of impact, which is, okay, this is, this is how they felt, or this is, this is the, this is the their this is their version of what the impact their personal impact of that situation and yeah. and actually it's more like um uh, maybe that's not the right expression I was just thinking it was like a mirror it's sort of like you're you're getting a or maybe it's a it's a view into their world versus right. you know their 
them trying to say, well, the leader needs to, you know, he, he you know, he or she needs to be more clear. You know, like instead of like uh, uh, feedback, whereas coming at you like, you know, maybe negative type of uh, reaction to your to your leadership. This is more like this is how it made me feel. This is how um, I reacted to 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 what John did, and I yeah. like that better. It seems like it takes takes a little bit of punch out of it, a little, and and it's more factual based, less opinion. You know, but Absolutely. it's not the right term. But maybe it's it's. I would say you're less defensive when you see an impact versus feedback. Absolutely. And you can decide. I mean, that's the thing too. Like you can decide if that impact's okay. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, some one impact statement could be like, you know, when somebody says they need to be more clear, as opposed to saying when they launched that vision, I was actually really confused because I wasn't sure which the priority and it seemed kind yeah. of out of sync with what they said the last time. Right. And so, you know, I might bring that feedback and say, there's confusion around the strategy as an example. And so, so the impact is a bit of confusion and, and miss like not an understanding of the key priorities. And, you know, the leader might say, you know, that's kind of normal for where we are right now. Cause we're rolling it out. Like that's okay. Right. But it's important to know it's kind of important to kind of know. So I agree with you. There's a little bit less, but if I say you should be more clear, people might be like, I was as clear as I could possibly be. <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's, it's, uh, it, it's funny because I'm starting a new, I'm starting a new course, just started a new course with my doctor program. And this professor throw, threw out so many rules at us on how he wants papers written that I was overwhelmed. And, I, and, and, and it was almost created like a panic in me. I'm like, there's just too many rules. I don't even know if I could write a paper and meet every requirement he's lit. So his intention may be, I want to be very clear with what is a perfect paper, right? But for me as the writer, I'm like, I have got so many guardrails and so many constraints. And I, I'm not, I'm a person that doesn't like a lot of rules, by the way. Uh, but, and I'm like, I'm, I feel, I was stressed out reading. I'm like, I have to create a checklist every time I write a paper because, you know, this paragraph can't have been more than 120 words. This one here, I'm, I'm like, ah. So, so I think his intention is, I want to be very clear of what my expectations are. And so he might say, I was very clear, but my impact was panic on my side. Like, I don't know if I can, you know, and stress it on my side. So it's interesting. That is an example of where the intention was good, but the impact was, was not good for me. Now, maybe others will go, oh, great. Now it's very clear what, what, what the expectations are. But for me, it was like, oh, I got to create a checklist here to be able to write a paper. So right. And that's the and that's the whole purpose of of the you know impact statements too is is to kind of get get a sense of the different ways that your leadership style is impacting others. Yeah. And yeah. then oftentimes it's it's very small tweaks. You know, it might be for your professor in that example to say my intention with sharing all of these is to give you as much clarity as possible on the expectations. But if you find that overwhelming just write your paper without looking at those. Right, right, and, yes. And and then, you know, maybe come back as a bit of a checklist because I think these are some best practices. Like they might just change the communication style ever so slightly Yeah. yeah. of a, a better intended impact on people. And so that's that's a little bit of the exercise of when you're looking for these blind spots, you're, you're trying to sort of understand 
you know, what are the tiny changes that I can make? And it often is sharing the intention. That's that's a very, very easy hack to just yeah. say my intention with this communication is to be as thorough as possible. It may be slightly overwhelming. I've been looking for your feedback to say, you know, is this too much? And then we'll come back. Like just sort of create that environment where it's yeah. totally okay for intention and impact to have a gap, it's expected. And it's our job as leaders to kind of narrow that gap so that we have our intended impact. I love that. This is good stuff, really good stuff. So so uh, what final message would you like to leave with us about this subject? Well, I just, I, I, I like the line, it's kind of in the, I think it's in the closing line in my conclusion of your blind spot is your breakthrough. And, uh, and I really do believe that I believe that if you want to continue to enhance your leadership over time, just developing this curiosity and realizing that there's breakthroughs that are available to you if you get a little bit more curious about your impacts on others and tweak your actions to address them. I love it. That is a great way to wrap up this discussion about blind spots. So listeners, hope you caught that. Your blind spot uh, is your breakthrough. If you can figure out what that is and you can work through it, there's another element that you've got in your leadership toolbox to get more effective in in motivating people to get difficult things done. If you can sort sort out your blind spots, so that's a this is a fantastic subject, and I really appreciate uh, you coming on. So, how can our listeners find out more about you, uh, all of your books, and your services? Sure. So of course, my name, Marissa Murray, my books are on Amazon. I walked through what they were called, but they're WorkSmart, Iterate, and Blindspots. Uh, my company is called Leaderly. And I, I we discussed that that's an adjective because I believe that to yes. be leaderly is the highest compliment, our journey to our best leaders, our journey to our best life and contribution and professional success and fulfillment and all those good things. So you can check out my website, um, www.leaderly.com. And I, in terms of social media, I'm on just about everything, but I hang out mostly on LinkedIn. So please uh, feel free to ping me there. Fantastic. And listeners, we're going to have links in the show notes for all of Marissa's uh, resources, uh, including this new book, Blind Spots. And again, I highly recommend that you dig into this because I, I came into this with one idea of blind spots and I'm kind of leaving with another idea like that. I think that it's this idea of uh, the gap between uh, our intention and our impact. Uh, I, I think it's something that we all need to be thinking about. We all, on you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a good leader, and you're probably thinking that your your impact, your your, your intentions are good. But the question is, how, what is your impact? And I think understanding that and finding out that gap and, and being able to reveal that blind spot, you can get you can become so much better as a leader. So. Marissa, I really appreciate you coming on board and sharing this topic because I think it's given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.
Oh, welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that the my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big home. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.